Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Kroger, fresh for everyone. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. So I want to be very honest about something here for a moment. I do have an agenda with today's show. It is the final show for me before going on vacation next week. We do have a great series of Vacation Week shows coming up next week, but this is the final live show that I'll do again until the following Monday. And so it's one of those things where you want to kind of end the week on a good note, right? I mean, I, I do like the idea of even though one, a lesser broadcaster, might be tempted to take it easy and kind of you know mail it in on the way out the door. We're not looking to do that around here. And even more so, we're looking to actually finish the final show before vacation on a very high note, a lot of positive content, a lot of fun on the way out the door. So my agenda for today is to take what has kind of dominated the news over the course of the last couple of days and sort of spin that in the most positive way possible so that we can all have kind of a happy feeling as we close out a week and as I close out a, a work time here before heading on a vacation. So admittedly, I'm kind of looking for the positive in this story, but I don't think actually the positive is necessarily all that difficult to find. Many of you are aware of what's going on around UGA this week, the decommitment from five-star defensive tackle Bear Alexander, the decommitment commitment from five-star athlete Dion Bowie, Bowie from the state of Georgia, from Bainbridge, Kirby Smart's hometown. Uh, instrumental in all of this would appear to be former UGA staffer, graduate assistant at UGA, Nick Williams, now working as an analyst at Texas A&M. And there's been a lot of almost remnants of the thing that seems to pop up and it's now become a little bit of an ongoing running joke amongst Georgia fans of what's wrong with UGA recruiting. There seems to be a little bit of what's wrong with UGA recruiting kind of popping up around this Alexander and, and, and Bowie story. And the reason why the what's wrong thing has become a little bit of a meme among UGA fans is because <laughs> in actual truth, in all honesty, there is very little wrong with UGA recruiting in this moment or in any moment. Georgia you know, t- is among the, if not the very best recruiting program in the country, among the very best recruiting programs in the country, uh, essentially guaranteed of at least a top three class every single year, and certainly knocking on the door with the possibility of being the number one overall class for uh, 2022. There is obviously very little wrong with UGA recruiting in the big picture, but there are these moments that kind of pop up that kind of provide fans some angst, and the Alexander and Bowie D commitments are a little bit of an example of that. But let me kind of give you a little bit of pushback here for a moment on both these stories as to why maybe this isn't the kind of thing that you ought to spend the weekend worried about, even though we've certainly talked about it a lot on the show the last couple of days. Let me start with this. So Georgia loses Bear Alexander, not to Texas A&M, although he may eventually go there. For now, all it is is a decommitment from the Georgia program. And so you're kind of left to wonder, what does Georgia do on the heels of losing a commitment from a five-star defensive tackle? Well, what it does is it just simply brings in another five-star defensive tackle on campus. I'll show you this picture on Twitter. Really good stuff here from Walter Nolan, another five-star defensive tackle who says, hashtag go dogs, great unofficial visit today. That was uh, yesterday from Nolan. Good-looking picture. Looks great in the black jersey, the the, the Georgia uniform there. Uh, That's a great thing to be able to see surrounded by some folks who are apparently close to him. And this is the kind of thing that most programs simply would not be able to do. On the heels of losing Alexander to say, well, that's okay. we got to get ready. Walter Nolan is about to visit here, and that's okay. A few days after that, Travis Shaw, another five-star defensive lineman, is also coming in to visit UGA. We've got to shake this off and go get ready to entertain those guys. Now, listen, I'm not going to tell you necessarily that um, that Nolan is for sure coming to Georgia the same way I couldn't have told you that Alexander was for, for sure coming to Georgia even before he decommitted from the program. But the idea that somehow the well has dried up for Georgia with five-star defensive linemen because of Bear Alexander's decommitment, the presence of Nolan on campus this week is obviously an example of that. And by the way, we kind of scoffed the other day at the notion that Nolan might be shutting down his recruitment. It certainly seems like the recruitment's still uh, going at full speed there right now. So this is, uh, 
I think, important context for Georgia fans to remember in regards to all of, all of this. That, yeah, it's clearly a setback when Alexander you know, decommits, and even if that was always going to be a very difficult player for Georgia to hold on to for its 2022 class, there's still some disappointment that takes place. But this is kind of like lowercase letter disappointment. This is kind of a more muted version of disappointment because literally Georgia remains in the mix and in the fold for many of the very top defensive line prospects in the country in a year in which rare to see this many elite defensive linemen in a recruiting cycle. It seems like this particular cycle has a good many of them, and it's been so exciting to see Georgia involved with as many as there have been there. Now, here's the other thing. You're seeing a lot of comments this week. If you look at our YouTube comment page or our uh, Facebook comment page, we're doing this show live. If you watch the way that Georgia fans are interacting on social media, if you check out the forum at forum.dognation.com, there's this conversation out there of that somehow Kirby Smart got played when Nick Williams was allowed to leave for Texas A&M. And somehow this was Jimbo Fisher flexing and maybe Georgia wasn't properly using its off-field support staff as well as it could if someone like Williams, who has, at least for now, appeared to be so valuable to Texas A&M, was allowed to get away that Georgia didn't do everything they could do to keep him or somehow didn't have him properly prioritized in all of this, that something's wrong with the way that Georgia is utilizing its support staff, its graduate assistants, its analysts, you know, the guys that kind of make up the army of staffers beyond just the 10 on-field coaches. And let me just at least give you one thing to think about. I know we've kind of talked about this a little bit already this week, but let me just give you one more thing to think about on this. And maybe this lands somewhere with you, and maybe this doesn't. Maybe this matters, maybe it doesn't. But think about what else Georgia has going on when it comes to its off-field coaches. It's analysts, right? Uh, Williams now an analyst for Texas A&M. At least in terms of convincing some big names to decommit, it seems like Williams is kind of paying off a little bit for Texas A&M. Now we'll see how many of those guys actually turn into true pledges and eventual signees for the Aggies. But for now, Williams would seem to be instrumental. But it's not like Georgia hasn't already benefited during this recruiting cycle from some of its own off-field analysts as well. Do you remember when Jalen Walker, the very impressive linebacker from North Carolina, do you remember when Walker made his commitment announcement? Dog Nation was live on the scene and on hand for that. And when Walker was talking to the folks in the room about why Georgia, I know this audio is going to be a little bit difficult to hear because it's kind of got the room noise. You know, it's kind of one of those things that, you know, sometimes you don't have quite the mic right in front of the guy's face. And so you kind of pick up some room noise. There's a little bit of room noise in the in the audio that you're about to hear of Jalen Walker. But listen to what he kind of rattles off as his reasons for choosing Georgia. The first name that he mentions before even mentioning Kirby Smart, by the way, is not one of Georgia's assistant coaches, but one of the guys who's working for Georgia right now as an off-field analyst. This, Jalen Walker from a few months ago. Georgia, I feel like that fits me the best. You know, that staff, uh, Coach Muschamp, uh, Coach Smart, Coach Lanning, Coach Schumann, you know, all great defensive coaches. You know, it's always a good thing to have a decent head coach. And, you know, I've had heard stories of him always helping around in practice. You know, having a hands-on coach is always the best fit for me. Uh, just Georgia overall, uh, LBU, in my opinion, you know, always brings out the best linebackers and development in the field. But, you know, Georgia just fits me. So did you hear what uh, Walker said there? And I'm literally asking that, not rhetorically, because that's not the greatest audio to kind of pick up on. Uh, what Walker says at the very beginning of that clip is, hey, I love the staff at Georgia. And he mentions Coach Muschamp. Now think about this for a moment. This is a week in which we are told, oh, my gosh, Georgia's not using its sports staff as well as it could. Kirby Smart's not prioritizing his analysts as well as he could. Uh, he didn't know what he had with Nick Williams, and Nick Williams has gone away, and Nick Williams has convinced guys to decommit from the Georgia program. That may all be true, at least in terms of the fact that Williams played a role in their decommitment. I don't, I don't, uh, I don't you know, fail to acknowledge that. But this notion that somehow that Georgia's not properly utilizing its support staff, one of, the, one of the very best linebackers in the country just a couple of months ago, upon announcing why he had chosen the University of Georgia, mentioned Will Muschamp by name as one of the reasons that he's at UGA. I mean, this is an example of Kirby Smart using his own analysts as a way of benefiting UGA recruiting. And it's one of those things where you have to kind of sometimes pull back and see the full picture. That right now, Nick Williams seems like the, he's the man of the hour because of the Bowie thing and the Alexander thing. And I'm not downplaying you know, his role in all this. Williams may be a coaching star on the rise, and eventually you may see him doing big things somewhere in the SEC as an on-field coach. 
But for now, the idea that Georgia's recruiting efforts for this 2020 cycle were going to hinge on the idea of keeping Nick Williams, clearly that's not true. Other guys who are not even coaches, like Will Muschamp right now, are also themselves paying big dividends for UGA recruiting, and I just sort of think that is uh, fair to mention. Let me kind of move on off that topic. I was going to do a little bit more, but we're kind of going along on that for now. Let me completely shift gears to this. You may remember over the weekend, I think it was what Sunday night, when upon the rumors and the rumblings of grumbling, rumblings and grumblings about Brandon Turnage, the former Alabama defensive back, possibly changing his mind about coming to UGA, and there were some thoughts about what does the arrival of Darian Kendrick from Clemson have to do with all of this, or is this related to something else in, in regards to Turnage or whatever may be going on there. In kind of the aftermath of that, we also saw another defensive back, Caleb Evans, announce on Twitter that he'd gotten an offer from the University of Georgia. That's You see it there on your screen if you're watching on video, him saying, blessed and grateful to receive an offer from the University of Georgia. That a tweet, I think, dropped around 8.30 p.m. or so, uh, a couple of hours after a lot of the turnage stuff had been kind of unfolding. And so that was kind of like the next big twist and turn to that saga of would Turnage be at UGA or not? The fact that Georgia had offered now another defensive back in Evans. And, you know, Georgia's clearly had success when it comes to taking defensive backs from Tulsa before. That's where J.R. Reed came from before arriving at UGA. Reed became an All-American playing in this program, one of the real leaders of the Georgia defense. And so that may be reason enough alone for UGA fans to at least be interested in Evans after Evans said he'd gotten a Georgia offer. Well, Caleb Evans has been been back on social media this week with more news to offer and now letting us know that he is ready to make his college decision. I'll show you this once again on the screen there as well. He says yesterday that I'll be committing tomorrow night at 7. That means tonight. Now, it's not clear to me if this is 7 uh, Central Time or 7 Eastern Time, uh, but either way, sometime this evening, Evans will be making his uh, college decision. He says it's going to be posted on his Instagram first. That's at a Caleb Evans on Instagram. That's with a Y, a Caleb Evans uh, on Instagram. Uh, Instagram, so he says you can go follow him there. So it looks like Evans is getting ready to make his decision. Is Georgia the team here in the mix for all this? I have to admit I have no idea, but it's probably at least worth Georgia fans paying a bit of attention to. And as Evans gets ready to make a pledge here, I guess in a way it could also be a possible moment in which we may find out, I guess, some finality one way or another on Brandon Turnage there as well. I mean, at this point in time, I guess it's more likely the Turnage really isn't coming to Georgia, although I guess until you hear something official, the idea that the door is still somewhat open, maybe that's a possibility there as well. Once again, I have to admit, I don't really quite know about that either. But uh, we will find out something one way or another about Evans, who has a Georgia offer out there, getting ready to make his announcement tonight. So let's watch that. Let's see if that has any impact on turnage, if that closed the door on this completely, or if that remains a possibility out there as well. So Tonight could be a night that UGA fans might want to be paying attention to their phone, their social media too, because you may find out about a defensive back who has, as he says, an offer there from uh, Georgia. So a little bit of a story worth watching. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We're presented today by Kroger, and we're glad to have you with us no matter how you get to us today. Live on video, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, Radio Noon. Looking forward to being back on the radio on Athens Sports Radio 960, the ref, after my vacation. As I told you before, last live show today, we're on vacation next week, and then looking forward to being back on the radio again after that. Really excited about that. And, of course, as a podcast, wherever you find them, including the worldfamousdognation.com. Just really glad to have you here today. And a big thanks to our friends at Kroger for making it all possible. You know, Kroger got everything you need to get ready to celebrate Father's Day. You can do that with your local Kroger here. Uh, Kroger.com slash grilling is the website to go to. Uh, all, obviously, dads love grilling and all those uh, great, whether it be the outdoor stuff to go along with the grilling or the recipe stuff to help, you know, kind of cook the meal. Dads love all of that. And it's a great way to show your dad some love as we head towards Father's Day. So Kroger.com slash grilling for more detail on that. Kroger.com slash grilling. And to all the dads here in our audience, I uh, certainly wish you a, a happy run-up towards Father's Day and hope you get ready to enjoy that and the rest of this summer here right now. I trust that you probably are. All right, oh, we're going to talk to Jeff Sintel here in a moment. We'll go on the road, assisted by AAA with him. We did have to pre-record this. So to be completely honest with you, we react to the Bear Alexander decommitment. Uh, I did have to edit out part of the video because I kind of asked him about uh, Dion Bowie prior to Bowie 
backing off his pledge from Georgia, and so that became kind of dated. So we took that out. So it is one of those things where Jeff is traveling and enjoying some time with family here over the course of the next couple of days. We want him to be able to do that. So because of that, we're a little bit different with our interview with Jeff here today, but I think it's still worth your time, good insight and good thoughts from him about kind of what exactly went down with the Alexander situation. This was our first chance to kind of really get some question and answer type stuff from Jeff on this. So I actually thought that was really good, and we'll do that here coming up in just a couple of moments. Before that, though, I want to go around the doghouse, and I want to go back and I want to read something to you that I read to you yesterday because there's like one word that has been kind of bouncing around in my head a little bit ever since we did this in the show yesterday. It was the SEC, it was the portion of the SEC statement in regards to the name image likeness intervention that I think college sports is seeking from Congress before a lot of these state laws, including one here in Georgia, go into effect later on this summer. And the SEC statement addressed some of the concerns that the SEC has with the name image likeness laws. And as I said before, there was one word in this statement that really stuck out to me, and I wanted to highlight that for a second. Can I show this on the screen? And I want to read this a little bit. So this is what the SEC said, and we read portion of this to you yesterday. Among the complex issues that must be addressed is the role that, quote, advisors will have in guiding student athletes in the process for verifying and regulating these advisors. And if you want to, you can take that back down because that's really all I wanted to read from that statement. The word advisors in kind of quotation marks there, I guess scare quotes, you would almost call that. And... That's the word I've been thinking a lot about, because the more I think about the current landscape of college sports, it's the notion of that advisor that I think stands as one of the biggest potential problems facing the players who play college football. This is one of those things where I think if you have a college football player in your life or if you know college football players or, you know, to the extent that that you kind of come in contact with them, I think the message that we ought to be giving the players as they either get ready to continue their college careers or start their college careers or whatever else is be careful who you're taking advice from. Be very, very careful about the advisors that you bring close to you because it does not take very much work right now to look around the landscape of football and just see some examples of bad advice. I'll give you a couple of these. Bud Elliott, who covers recruiting for 24-7 Sports, has been saying some interesting things on Twitter over the course of the last couple of days in talking about the, the number of players in the transfer portal and who's leaving and who's going places. One of the things that Elliott says is, he's not mentioning names because I'm assuming he wants to protect some privacy, but one of the untold stories that Elliott says in college football right now is the fact that some of the players who are going in the transfer portal and then transferring to other places, Elliott says, are actually taking walk-on situations at their new school as simply a way to save face so they don't have to be seen as publicly dropping down a level. In other words, here's an FBS-level player or a Power 5-level player. He goes in the transfer portal, and literally he has nowhere to go. And we've already told you before that the overall statistics related to this, about 75% of the players in the transfer portal right now apparently don't really have anywhere to transfer to. And some of the players who realize they may be one of those players, a guy who's assuming the grass was greener or maybe was advised to believe the grass was greener, you get into the portal, you find out, uh, no, I really don't have any other offers out there. And so as a way of not facing some sort of of personal embarrassment, as the way it was described here by Elliot, they simply take a preferred walk-on offer somewhere else, no scholarship money anymore. That way they don't have to be seen as dropping down a level or having made a horrendous decision to go into the transfer portal. I think that's really, really sad. Apparently that's the reality right now. Players need to be careful who they're taking advice from. I'll also mention this very quickly. Albert Breer, who writes for Sports Illustrated, covers the NFL, had a very interesting blurb in one of his recent stories involving Jamie Newman, the former Georgia quarterback. Listen, I don't take pleasure in this. I mean, I'm like a lot of Georgia fans. I wasn't super happy with the way the, the Newman thing played out. Many of you weren't there as well. But it's not like I wish Newman ill after that. I mean, I, I still you know wish him well. I, I don't, I'm not you know looking to bash him, trash him, or anything else. But many of you do know what happened to Newman this week. He was uh, cut by the uh, Philadelphia Eagles 
and upon getting cut by the Philadelphia Eagles, has not really latched on with another team there as well. And obviously, this is all really weird in some NFL circles because if you want to go back to this time a year ago, Newman was prominently being mentioned as a you know potential first round pick, you know certainly second round pick. He was very very highly mentioned in many mock drafts, and all of a sudden now. You know, he goes undrafted and has no team to play for. Now, maybe he gets on one by the time, uh, you know, uh, camps roll around or whatever else. But as it stands right now, Jamie Newman does not have a football home after opting out from the University of Georgia. And that seems like Newman probably took some really bad advice. Be careful who you take advice from. What Breer wrote about at Sports Illustrated was that the problem that maybe Newman ran into, other players kind of run into this, is the idea in the early stages you're told, ooh, you can be a first-round pick. And I like the distinction, or at least I thought the distinction that Breer drew on this was very interesting. There's a difference between having seen someone on film, NFL scouts a year ago would have seen Newman on film, and Breer said the other level of this is actually having studied someone on film where now all of a sudden you're really just trying to drill down and decide really, truly how good of a prospect this really is, not just seeing the things that he's capable of doing, but seeing the, the things this player consistently does or seeing the weaknesses this player might have, going beyond just watching them on film and actually studying them on film. And what Breer said was, in the case of Newman, it appears that once he was more than watched on film, once he was studied on film, all of a sudden the evaluation of Newman really changed at that point. And obviously you can kind of understand how that might be the case here. So a guy who maybe thought his draft status was secure, decided to opt out from the University of Georgia, if that's indeed the way that played out, Boy, it just really seems like he got some really bad advice. I think this is the biggest problem plaguing college football right now. The so-called advisors that the SEC mentioned there who might be looking to tell folks what they should do about transfer portal or opting out or name, image, likeness, whatever else. I think it's really important that we judge this advice after the fact. Was it good or not? The coaches obviously are going to have their feet held to the fire because they are very public. Um, they have to do right by their players now so they can get more players in the future. And so, you know, we judge them on the way in which they, you know, bring these players up and help develop these players. But sometimes the more, I guess, off the radar advice that some of these players get, I think it's important that that advice sometimes be judged there as well. So I think it's an interesting time that we live in in college football. And I just hope the players that are playing this sport are very careful about the advice they choose to listen to. A few examples of why that might be true. All right, it's good to have you with us on Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger. Before I get Jeff's intel, let me also mention this here really quick. Uh, many of you have heard me talk about now for a while uh, the Finnish Long Drink, which I think is a great beverage and so much fun. And, you know, listen, this time of year when you kind of get in and get ready to enjoy uh, a beverage, I think the thing that you want is – like, nobody wants to be like a professional bartender, right, unless you are truly a professional bartender. But when it's time to, you know, enjoy some beverages with friends, it's like nobody wants to be sitting at the bar and mixing and shaking and stirring. It's just a lot of work. That's why I love the finished long drink. It, you know, it comes in a can, but it's not a beer. It's a ready-to-drink cocktail kind of already mixed for you right there in the can. So you pop the top, and you're ready to drink. I'm telling you, the flavor's great. Uh, you got the uh, strong liquor kick to this, but you've also got – I like the original in the blue can, which kind of has um, like a little grapefruit hint to it. And I said before, you know, kind of a nice gin flavor there as well. There's a cranberry version. I know many of you like that. That's really popular as well And some of the bars around Athens. There's the long drink strong, the long drink zero, a lot of great options and just really great stuff. It's from Finland. It's been popular there for a long time. Now it's in the United States, and a lot of folks are kind of saying, what is this Finnish long drink, and where can I find some? If you'll check out the website, thelongdrink.com, you can actually figure out where it's being sold close to you, at a bar near you, at a beverage store near you, whatever else. You can actually find that out for yourself. The Finnish long drink is close to you, I'm pretty sure, but if you'll go to thelongdrink.com, you can find out just how close, specifically where, and you can enjoy some. The Finnish long drink. Check it out. I think you're going to really, really like it. All right, before we're done, it certainly seems like college football is heading in the direction of a 12-team playoff. Sooner, by the way, rather than later, although not official as of yet. We will do all of the latest news on that. This is actually really interesting stuff. But for now, Everything related to the decommitment of Bear Alexander, really interesting insight from Jeff Sintel. He shared this with us before he left on vacation for a couple days, so check this out. It's On the Road, assisted by AAA. Good to have you with us here today on Dog Nation Daily. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. And here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. Great to have Jeff Sintel with us on a Friday. Always nice to talk 
some UGA recruiting with him, even though Jeff has actually already made his way to a little bit of a uh, vacation, some time off, still good enough to share some time with us. We kind of go over all the uh, big twists and turns of UGA recruiting as of late. I will remind you that this is recorded a little earlier in the week, reacting mostly to the Barry Alexander news here. If something big happens in the intervening time, we'll obviously catch up with Jeff Sintel on that really soon. So let's go on the road, assisted by AAA with Jeff Sintel right now. And Jeff will try to pick up the pieces here, at least for Georgia fans. I mean, I can tell you I wasn't, you know, happy with the news, of course, that Barry Alexander decommits from Georgia after taking a visit to Texas A&M. The Aggies, you know, have been thought to loom large in the recruitment here, and I guess this kind of changes everything. But my first question for you, though, if you don't mind, is how much does this change things? I mean, I already thought this was going to be a contested recruitment kind of down to the wire. Alexander was saying all the right things as a UGA commit, but you knew A&M was going to be a factor here. So the fact that, that Alexander is now officially on the open market does that make things different for, for his recruitment from a Georgia standpoint now? Uh, hey, Brandon, I guess, man, uh, my big thing, and that's kind of why we went on live after the news dropped on Alexander, is he was saying and doing all the right things. And there's still elements in place for me that think he, he, will, he could still very well wind up at Georgia. Um, he was passing a lot of the checks that normally when I – when I look forward and I try to feel like, you know, how committed is this guy? How invested is he in the class? How much does he love Georgia? And I even covered a very difficult subject with him when I was like, listen, man, I know you're going to take visits. What should we interpret from that? And he's like, well, I, I think as long as you're transparent, you're committed. You tell them that you're going and they know what's up. Nothing's coming as a surprise. Then to him, that was his version of loyalty because everybody's got a different version these days of commitment or, what it means to be a commitment, especially coming out of the COVID-19 era, which shuttered all recruiting. Um, and, Brennan, as we speak, speaking of vacations and beautiful scenes, Bear Alexander, Big Bear Alexander is in Miami right now on an official visit. And I think a lot of those official visits become universal with any program with Bear Alexander now that he is decommitted from Georgia. I would say, really, the best way I would answer your question is Bear Alexander's commitment Bear Alexander's recruitment becomes a normal recruitment now, which means he will go through his paces, he will go through his search and discovery and research, going to compare feelings, going to compare vibes. The thing for Georgia fans to cling to is I would say that there is an, a lot of emotional capital uh, for Big Bear Alexander with what he feels about everyone at Georgia not just his potential coaches. So let me do kind of a rapid-fire thing here for a moment, and you can give very short answers to these questions because I want to build to something. Now that Alexander has decommitted from Georgia, would you view Texas A&M as the favorite in his recruiting? I would not. I would call it all even, Brandon. So I guess that's my next was going to be my next thing then. So is it all even between Georgia and Texas A&M or all even between Georgia, Texas A&M plus – any other school that Alexander might visit? I think exact, exactly what I'm thinking here, Brandon, is I think while, while Georgia and Texas A&M are known, I think there's a curiosity for all the unknowns that may have an early edge because those are the schools that Bear is going to see first. He's going to try and see an Alabama. He's going to try and see maybe a Texas. He's going to try and see a Miami like he's doing this weekend. He's going to try and see an Oklahoma uh, a Clemson, you know, a lot of these, a lot of these schools, the bigger schools will kind of creep into the mix here as, as he starts to figure out what he still needs to see and comparing it all out. The other thing here is, and this commonly comes up from a lot of Georgia fans as we're on the road, assisted by AAA with Jeff Sintel here today, Nick Williams is obviously a factor in Alexander's recruitment. That was a guy he felt close to when he was a Georgia pledge. Williams moves over to Texas A&M. Some Georgia fans are wondering, well, maybe Georgia should just have backed up a Brinks truck and paid Williams whatever he wanted to remain employed as an analyst here at UGA. Maybe that would have helped with Alexander. Maybe that would have kept things, you know, really solid with uh, Dion Bowie there as well. Obviously, he and Williams share a hometown of Bainbridge, Georgia, which also happens to be Kirby Smart's hometown there as well. I mean, how big of a factor one way or another do you think Williams is in all of this? So let me give you a couple things. Um, so – Brandon, it's no secret that Georgia has had great, excellent recruiters and they have moved on for other jobs. I would think Jay Valai is a name that comes to mind where he ends up at Kansas City with the NFL as an analyst and then he ends up with Texas as a, 
on-field coach, and now he's at Alabama. Um, Jules, Mortimer, Jules Mortimer is another guy that was once in Georgia's recruiting wheelhouse. Now he's doing a lot of the recruiting at Florida. So I think Nick Williams was highly successful at Georgia. He could sell Georgia in a way that few could because he grew up in Georgia. He played at Bainbridge. He played at Georgia. He coached at Georgia. I don't know if all those dominoes align with Nick Williams at Texas A&M. Of course they do not logically. Uh, so he's going to carry have to carry his weight with his demeanor, his vibe, his easier rapport with recruits. I think he's becoming, he's making Jimbo Fisher and maybe that program a little bit cooler again, especially in the SEC West. Um, I think the Brinks truck example, uh, it's, it wasn't going to be as simple as paying the man what he was worth or what he was deserved or whatever Texas A&M was paying. I think Nick Williams knew exactly what the succession plan for an on-field job looked like at Georgia, and he thought his chances at Texas A&M were better. Yeah, no, I think that makes a lot of sense. We've kind of talked about some of that on on this show this week a little bit there, too. You know, when you look at kind of the downside of this, I want to give the worst-case scenario for a moment. Let's say that Alexander decommits from Georgia, and we never really mention Alexander and Georgia in the same sentence again. I'm not assuming it's going to be quite that dire, but let's just say that it is for a moment. Like, the one thing I said on the show in the immediate aftermath of Alexander decommitting is – I can't really be mad at Georgia for going after him for a couple of reasons. First of all, this is an elite prospect at a very rare position. You know, think about just the the difficulty of replacing a guy like Jordan Davis, the fact that Alexander can do that and kind of fits a similar fashion. I mean, that's a prospect worth going after. And in addition to that, there's no obvious evidence that Georgia's pursuit of Bear Alexander has hurt it with any other defensive line prospect we might discuss. All these guys, Travis Shaw, Walter Nolan, Mikhail Williams, you know, kind of all on down the line here, they all have a lot of other schools they're interested in, and Georgia remains one of those schools. If I thought Georgia going out and messing with a guy from Texas who was going to be a little bit of a long shot signee anyway, had heard it with some other defensive line prospect, I, I guess I would have probably criticized the program for making a little bit too much of an uh, aggressive decision when something a little safer might have made more sense. But there's no obvious evidence that's happened here. If Georgia doesn't end up getting Alexander, if he ends up going to the in-state school, Texas A&M, I actually can't fault Georgia for going after Alexander as hard as it did, and in this case, taking home the silver medal, which is worthless, but but an example of the fact that it was probably for Georgia a fight worth fighting. Yeah, Brady, I'm going to try and choose my words carefully here. I think there's there are elements still going on in Bear Alexander's um, recruitment, which will ultimately determine where he winds up. And um, I think, you know, for instance, I don't know if a lot of people know that Bear Alexander also has family in the state of Georgia uh, in the Atlanta area. And, you know, they, they like that, fa- that family circle likes the thought of being near Atlanta, a vibrant southern city. Um, you also, you know, Brandon, this, this thing with Bear Alexander, man, I, I saw the seeds for this thing, man, back in, back in November, December, he already sounded like he was a Georgia commit walking, uh, the way he felt about Georgia different than any other school. And then he decides he felt that type of way to commit on national signing day for 2021. I really don't think the race and the chase for Bear Alexander is over, but to, to cover your point, um, I think what it does is you look at Christian Miller, for example. Christian Miller is a guy that knows Georgia, feels a certain type of way about Georgia, and now he has been visiting uh, Ohio State. He's going to visit Southern Cal. So he's going to have an, an idea of out there before he takes his really pivotal trips to Georgia. And then that's a, that's a nice way to compare the whole field. Uh, Walter Nolan is a guy I've been hearing that he was going to be in town this week. Um, no matter what he said or tweeted about, uh, coming off that Florida visit from this past weekend that apparently went so well. I see that 24-7 Sports is also reporting that Walter Nolan will make a, a, you know, a, a trip in the next next few days to, uh, to Georgia as well to check it out. But you keep looking down the line, Brandon. I mean, it's funny, Tyree West has taken at least three visits right now. He's a guy that I thought was all Georgia as well. Um, Travis Shaw, the really impressive uh, defensive tackle out of North Carolina, as it stands right now, he's going to come in and visit Georgia on the same weekend that his buddy Jalen Walker is taking an official visit to Georgia. That's the third weekend in June. Yeah. 
I think a lot of Georgia fans have an ideal mix of about five or six names. Let's be smart here, Brennan, and let's include Aaron Bryant in that list as well of potential defensive tackle options. And I think if a lot of people could say if the tic-tac-toe involves uh, one of the three from Nolan, Alexander, and Shaw, then Georgia's building what it needs. Uh, does it does it also include Williams? Does it also include Miller? Does it also include Bryant? Does it still very likely include West? I think this is a question of no, Georgia's not going to get all of them. But doggone it, it looks like Georgia's going to get more of those top guys than they ever had before. And I think that's the end uh, net addition to the program I think a lot of people are looking at. I want to finish in a moment by following up on something else you talked about when you joined the Dog Nation video channels a little earlier this week to talk about this situation. Before that, though, let me remind folks we're on the road, assisted by AAA with Jeff Sintel here today. I'm obviously enjoying being on the road here this week. When I do, I'm glad I take AAA with me everywhere that I go. I get hotel discounts, and my family really took advantage of that over the course of the Memorial Day weekend. And, you know, you get the legendary roadside assistance, because let's face it, if we break down the side of the road. Uh, BA here is probably not going to be too adept at fixing whatever's broken, but AAA certainly can. I'm glad to have that. But that's not the only thing I want you to think about AAA for. I also want you to think about AAA for auto insurance there as well. When you switch and save with AAA, you can save on average $529. That is great savings, and it's a great thing for you to take advantage of today. So you see there on your screen, let me give this to you, AAA.com slash auto insurance. That's AAA.com slash auto insurance. You can switch and save with AAA today, and I think you'll be really glad that you did that. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. All right, so good stuff there with uh, Jeff Sintel. At the end there, we had to edit out the last question because it was about Deion Bowie, unfortunately. Uh, that news changed from the time we recorded that until the time that we um, were able to play that there. But really good stuff from Jeff Sintel nonetheless, and certainly appreciate him. Being on the road with, with us, assisted by AAA, as Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger Rolls, on now. I want to do some playoff talk around the SEC through here in a moment. First, though, my friends at SecondChance.Law, a great website, great law firm. Those who need that second chance in life, many of us do. Let's face it, that's a big part of success stories, taking advantage of a second chance when you need one and when you get one. And that's what the Georgia law now provides for, but it can be confusing to figure out how you can get certain criminal convictions restricted off your record. Well, that's what secondchance.law can help you with. You go to their website, secondchance.law, answer a series of questions, kind of an online Q&A, you can determine your eligibility. If you're not eligible, in some cases, they can actually help you get eligible. So it's a great way for you to have a better job opportunity or a better place to live or Really, all kinds of things like that you can benefit from, and just check them out. One of the partners, former, you know, two-time UGA graduate, former Redcoat band member, longtime listener of Dog Nation Daily. So I feel really good about recommending SecondChance.Law because I love the service they provide, and it's just good to do business and help support uh, dog people here. And that's what SecondChance.Law is there as well. So please make sure you find them today. SecondChance.Law. All right. So this is the news related to the college football playoff. So there was a working committee that was put together to explore the idea of expansion, and that came out yesterday that they are recommending a 12-team expansion of the college football playoff. Now, what's funny is there have been you know, surveys done of athletic directors, things like that in the past, and almost no one seemed to want a, a playoff expansion quite that big. But I think in reading all the reporting that's been out there, and there has been so much over the course of the last few days, the reason why we're talking about such a big playoff is because, let's say you go to eight and you have some automatic bids, which is going to be a part of this. You can't get the votes for the playoff expansion unless you have the automatic bids. The conferences that are commonly making the playoff, obviously such as the SEC, don't want to lose any opportunities because of that. And so when you say, we'll have a 12-team playoff, six of those bids will be automatics, six of those bids will be you know, basically at-large picks. All of a sudden, that seems to be the kind of format that sort of helps everybody out. And boy, this is one of those things I've told you before. When it comes to changes to a sport that I love, I am very, very nervous about those changes. And I'm very skeptical sometimes of the people who seem to want to push radical change on college football. I'm just suspicious of their motives, and I don't mind telling you that. However, even with all that said, I mean, the more you kind of think about this, the more you kind of listen to the way that it's described, my knee-jerk reaction to this is it's hard to imagine from my perspective this won't be better for college football it just seems really fun 
the idea that the top four teams will get a bye, and then the five, six, seven, eight seeds will get a chance to host playoff games in their home stadium against the teams seeded 9, 10, 11, and 12. It's those home playoff games are going to be really attractive. And I think it's kind of interesting that as it stands right now, Notre Dame and, and Jack Swarbrick, the Notre Dame athletic director, is kind of, you know, I think he was the chairman of this working committee. He was certainly a big part of the working committee. It seems like right now Notre Dame is either quietly on its way to the ACC and just not telling anybody, or they're sort of okay with the idea that as a non, they won't be a conference champion based on the way this is all written out. They would never be eligible to, to, to be one of those top four seeds who gets a bye into the next round of the college football playoff. And so, as I said before, this either means that Notre Dame quietly is eventually going to rejoin the ACC on a full-time basis, or they're kind of fine with that because they like the idea better of playing the extra round and getting a chance to host the home game. I mean, listen, if your team like, say, Alabama here for a moment, who, you know, has been a top four seed every year but one in the college football playoffs existence. Let's say that level of success continued, which is not an easy bet because Saban's near the end of his career, but let's say it did. You know, Alabama might be in a position where they never get a chance to host a home playoff game because they're never seeded below a four seed, which is kind of interesting. On the one hand, it's closer to winning a national championship, but I do believe a chance to host a playoff game in your own stadium is going to be a really, really attractive thing. So, There's going to be a lot of debate who gets the home games, who gets the buys, who gets left out, you know, beyond the number 12. Ross Dellinger from Sports Illustrated did something interesting. He put a grid out of what the top 12 rankings have looked like the last few years. And I think it's important to note something here. That while this is what the top 12 has looked like these last few years, I'm going to highlight a couple of these examples in a moment. This is not necessary to mean this is exactly what the playoff would have been like had this format been in place then. So, for instance, in 2018, that was the year that Georgia lost close in the SEC championship. But if there was a 12-team playoff, based on these end-of-season rankings, not only would Georgia have made the playoff, they would have been hosting a playoff game in Sanford Stadium, and they would have been playing, what, uh, am I right to say, Five would have, yeah, they would have been hosting Washington in 2018, if I'm looking at this correctly. Would have been, no, no, I'm sorry, that's not true. They would have been hosting LSU. Georgia would have been hosting LSU in 2018. So can you imagine that? Uh, you go from you know, being upset to not making the playoff, to now you're in the playoff in Sanford Stadium, you get a rematch against LSU, a team that had beaten Georgia a little early in the season. You talk about a much different December and January's worth of conversation, completely different there. Also in 2019, Georgia got beat up pretty bad by LSU in the SEC Championship, but they would have made the college football playoff. And if I'm doing this correct, yeah, they would have hosted Florida. I mean, that's just crazy to think uh, that that's what uh, would have been. Once again, that's, yeah, that's not, yeah, no, that is, that's not true. Georgia been hosting uh, Memphis, I guess. Would have hosted Memphis there on on the basis of that. Um, but either way, um in the playoff more frequently, hosting these playoff games. It's kind of a fascinating thing. But I think it's important to note, though, that right now the committee, once you get past the top four, they don't spend a lot of time thinking about who gets ranked where after that. And part of the reason why we're changing the format of the playoff as it stands right now is because there's already a little bit of an artificial ceiling at least that's the belief, in place for the group of five. Because as it stands right now, they technically are eligible to earn their way into the playoff, one of the teams from the group of five. But it seems to never really be taken seriously. And if you watch the week-to-week rankings of the playoff selection committee, there just seems to be this sort of artificial ceiling on top of whatever the best group of five team is. And so if that's true now for that one team, I think you could see a little bit of maneuvering beyond that when it comes to the actual 12 you know you're going to just be make just be thinking more deeply about this so it's not quite this the, the same thing as saying oh if you go back and look at the top 12 from the last few years that's what the playoff would have looked like I don't quite think that's exactly the way this plays out because I'm not quite so sure when it comes to where you know Georgia Florida LSU teams like that were ranked in non-playoff years for them that the committee was really putting all that much thought into kind of who was going where there'll be a lot more deliberation when you know that the 12 teams who actually are ranked 1 through 12 are making the college football playoff, all of a sudden, all the issues that the committee deals with now, they'll be dealing with not just 1 through 4, but 5 through 12 after that. So it's really pretty fascinating all the way around there. Very, very uh, interesting stuff. And there's been a lot of good reporting out there on that. 
I guess the soonest this could happen, I think, is 2023. The current TV contract actually, I believe, runs through 2025. But there is seemingly some momentum to start this even before the current contract runs out. So uh, there's going to be a lot more that comes out about this. I guess September's the earliest that anything officially could be determined and decided. But I guess the key takeaway here is, that it is far more likely than not that this is happening. Not not official, not done, but far more likely than not that it is happening. Probably benefits Georgia. I guess there's a way of thinking that it could benefit the SEC, just given how commonly the SEC has multiple teams in the top 12 and potentially a fascinating new horizon for the sport. I'm a little nervous about big change, but I have to say my knee-jerk reaction to this for the moment is that it would be a change for the better. We'll make that your SEC through. All right, so as we get ready to say goodbye to you today, quick reminder, this is our last live show for a week. Next week, we have pre-recorded shows, and I do believe they're really good. A lot of great interview content, a lot of great uh, Georgia football talk, just looking ahead to the upcoming season and just kind of, you know, just kind of talking about where this team stands to be by the time the fall is done. I think it's going to be really fun. The one thing we can't do, obviously, is react to news as it happens. So if something big breaks, and there's a chance that it does, We'll obviously be here to talk about that with you live the following Monday. Sincere thanks, though, for allowing me to be away, enjoying some vacation. Hope all of you have a great week there as well. Want to take care of some business as we close things out today. Want to give you a couple golden shoes here today because I'm a little bit behind on honoring some golden shoe winners. So go ahead and throw one of them up on the screen here. Our buddy Bank Six. Remember the unathletic alligator we talked about the other day? Bank Six says, well, he's found another one in the state of Georgia that Terrence Edwards has been coaching up and getting ready to play. I think Bank Six is right about that. Our buddy Mad Dog also has a good one there as well. Very funny Dan Mullen meme. Uh, the Georgia bowling ball knocking down the Dan Mullen pins. Mad Dog says when you're planning the perfect strike on October 30th and no doubt Georgia's looking forward to doing that. And I'm looking forward to having a great vacation. Looking forward to seeing you again next Monday. Before I say goodbye, though, Gator Hater Countdown, 141 days from right now. Y'all, we'll see you back here Monday for Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger, and I'll be live with you back again the following week after that. Have a great weekend. Talk to you soon. Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger. And on the podcast, time now for our R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down. And I want to correct myself one thing because I kind of botched the last few years worth of rankings and had there been a 12-team playoff where Georgia would have played. So I finally correctly stumbled onto the truth for 2018. Uh, I'm not looking at the graphic here anymore, but uh, that Georgia would have hosted LSU. In 2019, the team that Georgia would have hosted as the 5 seed would have been the 12 seed, Memphis. And in 2020, Georgia would have gone on the road, at least according to those rankings, to face Cincinnati in the ball, ballpark known as Historic Nippert Stadium. Now, as I've said, I think it's probably erroneous to look at the last few years' worth of top 12 rankings and say that's exactly how the playoff would have been because that's not quite how the committee works. I mean, it's important to remember that part of the reason we're even making a change to the playoff is because the group of five kind of views the playoff as somewhat of an artificial ceiling, right? I mean, by the letter of the law now, group of five teams technically have an opportunity to earn their way into the playoff but they, for the most part, don't believe that that opportunity exists in real life, even though it's kind of written into the committee bylaws here. And so I think the same way you have business and politics and things like that kind of creeping into the discussion when it comes to um, when it comes to the top four as it is now, I think it's only just a natural thing that you'll also have that kind of creep in when it comes to the top 12 there as well. So that, I think that's kind of important to uh, to remember as you kind of think about all this kind of stuff. So with that said, we'll roll into our cool down here, and I'll thank R.S. Andrews for making it all possible. Air conditioning, heating, plumbing, electric, you can trust R.S. Andrews to do all that for you. They show up on time, they do the work that's promised, the price that's promised. couple of comments I want to read here, and then I'm going to get ready to roll on here out of vacation after that. Roll Dog 10 on Twitter writes in to ask what I, B.A., was thinking when I said that, that – uh, you know, promoting or doing something Nick Williams might take the spotlight off the Georgia position coaches. He says Kirby made a bad tactical error by losing Nick Williams. And listen, maybe one day that will be uh, viewed as the case, but it's one of the reasons why I wanted to kind of highlight Will Muschamp's role today in the Jalen Walker recruitment. This idea that somehow Kirby Smart's not properly using his support staff, his analyst, his graduate assistant, things like that, I think you see an example of that not quite being true. That, that in actuality, Georgia – is still using that support staff pretty well. I mean, Jalen Walker's a pretty big-time commitment, and the audio that you heard, as kind of muffled and garbled as it was, 
when you hear Walker's mentioning Muschamp by name before he really mentions even Kirby Smart by name, that gives you an idea that, yeah, that's already kind of paying dividends, that, that you know, Georgia recruiting deals with a little bit of a setback this week because Williams, you know, seems to have played a factor in the Bowie decommitment and the Bear Alexander decommitment. But you can bring on, you know, a guy from Texas A&M like we did on SEC Country Live this week or Jeff Sintel there as well. And you can say, okay, what's the most likely outcome, you know, in all of this? Well, I mean, a, a lot of folks are going to say, well, maybe it's Bear Alexander who, you know, goes to Texas A&M and Deion Bowie eventually circles his way back to Georgia. I think that's probably true, whether Nick Williams is working at Georgia or not. I mean, we said this all throughout the last few months. As exciting as it was to have a commitment from Bear Alexander, this was always going to be hard once Texas A&M began its real push for Alexander. It was always going to be difficult, always going to be difficult to pull that name, that guy, out of the state of Texas. And I, I don't think the presence of Nick's, Nick Williams changed that because I think it was already true. And so, okay, so the presence of Williams, who's from Bainbridge, the hometown of Bowie, that may have been instrumental in Bowie's decision to decommit. But how many of you really think that Deion Bowie's going to Texas A&M? Maybe he does, but, I mean, my gosh. It's hard to even assume a position coach is going to be at the same school for three or four years. To make to think that you would choose to go to a school because of an analyst who works there, I mean, there's a very good chance Nick Williams is working somewhere else within a year. I mean, he wants to be an on-field coach, you would assume, somewhere. So this notion that Deion Bowie is going to make a decision to go 500 miles from home or 700 miles from home, however far, however far College Station is from Bainbridge, to think that he's going to do that because of the fact that Nick Williams works as an analyst, that's only true for now. Um, so, I mean, if I had to guess, I think it's likely that Bowie still ends up at Georgia, even with Nick Williams there at Texas A&M. But it's at least worth following. I mean, the thing that I tried to do on the show today was kind of start things off with the idea that, you know, that Georgia's recruiting, and I'm not just trying to pander, I'm not just trying to blow smoke, I'm, I'm trying to be as factually honest as possible, even in light of some bad news here this week. Georgia is still set up for an elite recruiting class like few others could ever dream of being. And that's taking into consideration the disappointing setbacks here of this week. We'll talk a lot more about this, obviously, in the days to come. And next week for the R.S. Andrews Cooldown, we're going to actually combine our video and podcast cooldown into one since I'm on vacation. A lot of you have shared some thoughts with me, and I've tried to like bank some of those and then share those with you kind of throughout the next several days. I got some really good feedback, some really good comments, so we'll kind of do that over the course of the next few days. Y'all, I really appreciate you allowing me to take a uh, vacation. I think we've got good vacation shows planned. I hope you enjoy them, and almost certainly some big news will break while I'm gone. Obviously, the show won't be able to reflect that, but we'll hit it hard the following Monday when we come back. So I'm going to enjoy a little time here this summer for the next week. Y'all do the same thing. I hope you will check out the shows on podcast next week. I think they'll still be really fun for you, and I hope that you're also planning on having some fun. This weekend, next week, everything else, great time of year to get close to family and have some fun and do everything related to that. So thanks for being here for our R.S. Andrews Podcast Cooldown. If you're having trouble at home with a hot house, if that's keeping you from having fun here this summer, then the R.S. Andrews $99 Mega Tune-Up can get your air conditioning unit back to factory fresh specs. So check them out online at rsandrews.com. And I will see you on Monday for another edition of Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger. Vacation shows all next week. Then back live and back to normal the week after that, the following Monday. So I will look forward to seeing all of you then.